This is part two of our Black Panther discussion with Kenyatta, Mark, and Jeff. We continue to talk about the themes and characters and give movie recommendations and our final thoughts. Remember, you can join the Boston Screenwriters Group on meetup.com and RSVP for a Screenwriters Virtual Forum, peer-reviewing scripts, giving feedback on fellow writers' work while networking with them as well. Please check out the links on our Anchor.fm profile to follow us online, donate, or leave us a nice message to let us know how we're doing. We hope to see you at one of these virtual forums. Until then, enjoy the podcast. So uh, let's say the roles were reversed. Let's say instead of... Um, Eric Killmonger, let's say it was T'Challa, if they reversed, what would T'Challa, how, how would he have responded under the same circumstances? You know what I'm saying? Would he have the same worldview Killmonger has? I don't know. But, um, yeah. And, and, and just to go back with assimilation, even, even in the Black Panther, if you like certain pieces of dialogue, um, I think there was a piece of dialogue I wrote it down somewhere. Um, there's a couple, couple of quotes I liked, um, but there was a quote somewhere where it said, um, "We will lose our, we will lose ourselves if we shared." So they themselves were afraid of being swallowed up, being, you know. Um, you know, they would like the way they live. It's like it will be taken over, not just conquered, but taken over, and they will lose who they are. They lose their culture because you see, they it looks futuristic, while at the same time they were holding on to some of the old ways. You had the people, the plate lip, uh, you know, the um, some of the elders with the hairstyle, uh, you know, the markings, the scarifications. So it's kind of like a marriage of old and new. Even the sister, Shuri, like the child always want, like part of him want to keep things traditional, uh, how they've been doing things. But Shuri is like, no matter how well it works, you can always do better. You know what I mean? Like when uh, he came back from his mission, uh, he was like, she, she was like, I've made some updates. You say, well, why, why are you making updates for it? Because it works fine, it's, you know, it works. She was like, brother, I always told you that I could always do, I could always make it better. Yeah, I mean, what you were talking about, uh, you know, flipping the perspective or um, uh, trying to imagine, you know, uh, T'Challa growing up in Oakland without a, without a father or without any family support or whatnot, uh, how would he turn out? You know, would he have the same worldview? That goes back to the you know the old, uh, the old comic book thing of the hero and the villain are just are the same except just one little tiny difference. And I, we've already mentioned X Men uh, with uh, Professor X and, uh, and uh, Magneto, how um, oh, because Eric grew up you know in the Holocaust and everything and how what he saw and what he went through, and uh, Charles grew up you know, relatively privileged and very with uh, with a lot of. Uh, Going with a lot of resources uh, financially and uh, uh, familiar, familiar uh, and with the family, but um, yeah, it's the old kind. Uh, it's the old uh, comic book lore that uh, the hero and the villain uh, they are they're just two sides of the same coin, 
And uh, if just things were just a little bit different, um, they would be reversed or maybe even they would be the same. So it's... Uh, in the end of the movie, uh, Black Panther suggests that they were probably in many ways more same than different, right? Because I think that once um, T'Challa is forced to think about, as was already mentioned, the, the, the antagonist does make someone think about um, their actions, protagonists think about their actions, he realizes the best thing to do is uh, to share resources um, with the rest of the globe. And he's got you know, some plans as to how to do that, but um, obviously, T'Challa had never had to contemplate um, what was happening with the rest of the globe to the extent that Killmonger made him do that, right? So there are some similarities there. And again, based upon circumstance, um, I think it would have been a complete um, reversal of roles if they were in different situations. Think about it. I mean, Eric was the uh, nephew of the king, right? And if for some reason the, the birth order was different, maybe his father would have been king um, and roles were reversed. So, you know, we're, we're products of not just biology, but our environment and, and how we filter uh, that environment, how we, we take it in. And obviously after, you know, giving it some thought, um, T'Challa realized that, yeah, I, I can certainly uh, do a little bit of what Killmonger was talking about in terms of sharing resources. And I've got to give up my own inhibitions about what it means to, expand Wakanda to the rest of the world and our resources to the rest of the world and our influence to the rest of the world. What, what do you guys feel about the CGI in this film? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've heard that it, was, it wasn't great, but I, I'm not one to you know, judge CGI unless it's just grossly, um, I guess, substandard. It's not like you know, the, the CGI in uh, a film like, well, Spawn, right? And, 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 <laughs> And the thing is, with Spawn, though, of course, that's another generation ago, right? So maybe yeah. you can't judge them, judge the folks who made that movie at the same standard we have now. But um, even for its time, it seemed to be uh, very, very basic, right? No, even for the time, that was bad. Even for the time, that was bad. Like, uh, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I, I don't really like hinging my, you know, how I respond to a movie on the CGI quality. Unless, of course, as Mark said, unless it's egregiously just like, wow, terrible or... I mean, you know, the, the CGI here is, um, you know, most of you know, Wakanda looks great, at least the exteriors, uh, the sweeping shots, as I mentioned. Um, the fight, the chase scenes, the fight scenes, uh, the way the, the suit, like, uh, glows, and the way it, it stores kinetic energy, that's a good way of visualizing uh, the superpower, that, uh, at least the strength of the Black Panther. I think overall, overall, I think it was decent. I just think they had a hard time with the... Um, the rhinos. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But outside of that, I mean, it was decent. I mean, with, you know, with a budget of 200, 300 million, um, hey, I mean, it didn't have four, $500 million uh, dollar budget. So yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty decent, except for, you know, even really expensive ones, sometimes they have their misfires. But overall, I thought it was, decent and like you said if it's too bad it can take you out uh just like you said about spawn you try to look at that thing now it wasn't a, <laughs> it wasn't a great movie to begin with but it didn't help it, that, 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 yeah that, that those special effects were so horrible it definitely knocked off some points 
It's like watching a video game or something. It's not, it's not even like, video games cool. back then were better than that. Yeah, even video games. Right. <laughs> right. I shouldn't even try it. I don't, I don't think. I, I well, think that's why Spider-Man takes so, took so long to come to the big screen because right. I think they're waiting for technology to catch up with uh, what they're able to do. You know, because you saw the TV. Well, Jeff, you probably weren't born yet, but the TV show yep. that came out. <laughs> oh my God, it's so laughable. Um, the, the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk, and uh, I remember, uh, and I forgot all about Thor. They had uh, a rendition of Thor on there, and it was like, yo, that, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the Captain America show also that was you know kind of goofy, you know, too. Just yeah. 70s and early 80s was that the the prime time for for superhero movies and, and special effects right 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 well we're spoiled now so there's no way you know you can't get away i mean back then you could have because you know it was just starting out yeah you're just I mean, starting out and yeah yeah i mean those mid mid 90s to early 2000s effects yeah man there's maybe a handful that still hold up but other than that yeah they look like spawn they just look like really awful video game graphics like uh, you would stop playing the video game if you saw this come up <laughs> it's really right. bad yeah okay uh, in terms of movie recommendations just based off of uh if you like this film i would say the spook who sat by the door because um, I'm thinking about Killmonger. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the character in that film was Killmonger before this, you know, when did this movie come out in the 70s? Was that right? Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, I mean, you can get it from YouTube. Uh, mm -hmm. You can watch it on there. But it's based off of, of you know, uh, a, a novel mm -hmm. by... Uh, What's his name again? Uh, Greenlee? No. Green, yeah, there you go. Greenlee, yeah. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is, they that, that movie was very successful when it first came out. And for some reason, they you know, they, they took it out of theaters, man. You know well, what I'm saying? <laughs> I've actually <laughs> they, just seen it, so I know, uh, I can, wow, I can see why they weren't too happy with oh, uh, having that play too long. <laughs> so, oh, you just, you just saw it? I just know because uh, you know Film Fest is going on, and one of the revivals is uh, Spooky Set by the Door. So they are. Oh, okay. Yeah, I actually I just saw it. Yeah, I just saw it like last week. Uh, as one of the revivals. Yeah, I could I can see why that uh, uh, some of the studios uh, would not be appreciative of having that too long in the theater as a theatrical run. No, that's definitely <laughs> great. Great recommendation, definitely. Do Do, do you think that film? Like, let's, let's say somebody, like, you know something, I am going to do a remake of this film. Do you think that could be done nowadays? Like, that film could have came out, could come out to, in today's environment? I'd say just re-release it if you're going, like, yeah, just, like, do a revival or do a retro well, screening. That, yeah. Okay, when you say, when you say it's in, but when it's in there, it's more like art house type theaters. It's not like, I'm talking about, like, a mainstream film. Well that, well, that would be the thing. If it's mainstream, especially now, I think it would be way watered down. Way, way, way watered down. Like, uh, you just wouldn't capture that. Yeah, uh, 73. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't be able to capture that same spirit uh, 
and again, depending on what studio, even it doesn't really matter what studio, it would, I think it would just be watered down to like nothing. It'd be, it'd be just sort of. I don't see the major uh, studios wanting to have any part of that. You know, part of that, like, um, you know, it's become a cliche now to talk about this filmmaker and his movies. Um, but uh, like Jordan Peele with Blumhouse, right? They had a $5 million budget for Get Out. Um, and because it was that small, you know, um, entity that, that kind of backed it, um, they also didn't have a lot of the, the, um, the gatekeeping that happens at the larger studios and um, throw you the five million bucks from Blumhouse, you make it and you look for a distributor, I guess, afterwards. Um, you're not going to have Warner Brothers or, or, or Universal making that movie. It's going to be a Blumhouse, it's going to be a smaller, you know, uh, production yes. company that does it and, and you might be able to find distribution for yeah distribution oh. be an issue because we're in this, this political climate where you know you know things are getting more you know intense and polarized and it might just have to be an art house movie or like a whew, another flick highly jarima's uh sankofa from like back in the, the, the 90s like it's only making his rounds in uh, small theater houses. Um, at that point, they're made. They're being. They're showing it in black-owned theaters. I'm. Do they exist anymore? Black-owned theaters. I mean, so I don't know. Uh, so, it can be made, but it probably wouldn't get distributed uh, uh, if it's going to maintain that same feeling from the original movie. Um, so, so, so get like one of them the Dolomite treatment. You know how like Dolomite. Yeah, yeah. If he, no, Dolomite made a ton. Oh, man. We should we should we should do something on Dolomite, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I I I can see that like uh, going around. I mean, they're trying to get rid of movie theaters now. The like studios, I think they're trying to get yeah. to a point where studios are owning movie theaters now. But what, what for the past I don't know how many decades they weren't allowed to own movie theaters. I, it was an hour ago. I have to read it again. I kind of skimmed over it, but um, when talking about gatekeeping, imagine the studios were to do that. Um, <laughs> that would be uh, some serious gatekeeping going on, and you won't be able to make certain films. And um, that that kind of pushes, you know, the uh, people's thinking the same way Killmonger pushed the thinking of T'Challa. You know what I'm saying? So uh, imagine if T'Challa didn't have a Killmonger to push his way of thinking. I guess what frames my idea around the gatekeeping and the distribution of content that is somewhat progressive or even revolutionary along the lines of a spook who sat by the door is that what you see with regard to, with regard to um, music and the limited you know, range of what's widely promoted um, certainly there was an era of, of, of more progressive or revolutionary uh, hip-hop music, which some artists still exist with that, that, that revolutionary uh, um, leaning, but they're not giving the promotion, right? So you'd have a spook that's sat by the, the door uh, created, but is it going to be distributed so folks can easily access it? Right. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. It's, like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be gatekeeping is going to be <laughs> it's going to be there's going to be a lot of gatekeeping going on because uh, like when I said earlier uh, when t when you had the Italian directors okay 
when they they make zombie movies, they make slavery movies, and they make horror films. And let me tell you something. This was I'm talking about. This is the seventies, and it is heavy. And so, in my next uh, film that I would like to recommend is Goodbye, Goodbye Uncle Tom. Now, let me tell that. you something. Huh? Never seen that one. Never, never, never heard, of that. Never heard of it. Trust me, uh, you know, Mark. You know something? I bet you some money you saw it before, but but you probably don't know the name. You don't probably don't remember the name because even I was like, so, it was somebody recommended it to me. I went to go see it. I was like, wow, I, I, I could have sworn I seen this before. Let me tell you something. You want to talk about pushing envelopes and you know um, being unafraid to 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 um, to challenge your thinking, to challenge things. So let me tell you something. This was it's not it's not easy watch, especially like a lot of comedians like um uh what's his name? Uh Dave Chappelle, they were too sensitive nowadays. You know, um so anything that that challenges you, this today's society, the kids cancel culture and shuts you down. Uh, so there's no more critical thinking, there's no more you know, nuanced conversation anymore. Well, it's, it, it, they're killing it. They're killing that uh, whole nuanced com conversations, okay? Um, a lot of gaslighting going on if if it doesn't fit, you know, a uh, certain narrative. So that's my other movie recommendations. Goodbye, Uncle Tom. And yeah. those, are just, those are my two. Yeah, as for me, those are all very good. Uh, as for me, uh, you know, uh, sort of doing this in honor of Chadwick Boseman, and I recommend all of his movie roles, especially um, especially when he started to take on sort of the uh, African American icons like uh, Jackie Robinson and Thurgood Marshall. But I, I, I definitely really get on up uh, the James Brown one version. I think he does do his own singing, which is remarkable. If you know, mm. not, someone's probably going to correct me, but. Uh, he does a remarkable uh, job in that. I think that is probably my, my the, the, his best work in, from what I've seen. But the, yeah, in terms of um, uh, work that's sort of the same sort of stuff that makes you think or something, I would uh, I tend to go to documentaries, uh, especially they. And yes, I know most documentaries are another form of propaganda. I know that, but propaganda sometimes gives you perspective. But. Uh, so yeah, I mentioned Avery Duvernier, definitely Thirteenth, uh, the Netflix doc that got a lot of uh, got a lot of praise back then. Um, um, there's also um, uh, sort of the broader issue of the drug war and the ills of that. Um, Eugene Jarecki's uh, "The House I Lived In." I would definitely also recommend that, uh, how the drug war just sort of completely um, got out of hand and uh, started inappropriately uh, affecting uh, Black and Hispanic communities. Um, but yeah, in terms of, yeah. And again, I know that docu some, most documentaries are also propaganda, but they offer you a perspective. And it's up to you whether or not you want to take that perspective or take parts of that perspective. It's up to you. Um, well, it's always good to have different perspectives. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, yeah, just like we're talking about Black Panther, you have different perspectives. Yeah, exactly. You have to, you know, you have to challenge each other to kind of find find some kind of middle ground and kind of take 
from each direction and see what you can come up with. And a couple quick, I guess, recommendations from me. While we're on the topic of, of uh, documentaries, uh, one that was um, really moving to me over the last few years uh, now has been Raul Peck's I Am Not Your Negro, um, about, uh, well, featuring Samuel L. Jackson um, as the voice of uh, James Baldwin, where he talked about um, the assassinations of Medgar Evers, MLK, and Malcolm X, and how it kind of influenced um, his view. And it kind of weaves its way in and out of uh, the writings of, of James Baldwin, from um, No Name in the Street to The Devil Finds Work, um, Fire Next Time. Um, just a masterful piece in how they weaved all that um, narrative uh, together. Um, and believe it or not, Samuel Jackson's not distracting. He's not his usual, you know, he's not playing uh, the, the, <laughs> the stereotypical Samuel Jackson character, as we know him, being kind of loud mouth and gruff. He's really uh, soft and sensitive um, in, 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 in kind of taking on James Baldwin. That's one of my recommendations. I am not your Negro. You find it on Amazon um, Prime Video um, for streaming if you have that. Um, I have the DVD that I, I look at every once in a while. I just I love that doc. Um, and then also a piece of historical fiction. I mentioned it before, uh, Haile Jarima's uh, Sankofa. Um, came out in the mid-90s, made its way around the kind of uh, chitlin circuit, if you will, small black-owned uh, theaters. Um, that movie focuses on um, kind of reconciling with our past, the African-Americans, talking about the institution of slavery, and there was some time jumping in there. Um, and it's one character's kind of real, realization that um, she's kind of strayed far away from her roots, what it takes to get back to her roots. You know, <clears throat> you guys, maybe, I mean, based on your recommendation, have me thinking about a couple more. Um, when you say 13th, uh, there is a documentary I thought was a little bit better. It's slavery by another name. Um, I, I do recommend that. And also, I also recommend, I don't know if you could find it. I, for some, I don't know how I found it. I think it was on YouTube. It's called Beetle. And uh, basically, is uh, a guy, he was a, a hero um, in Brazil. And basically, I don't know if he was a founder of Capera, but uh, imagine he's kind of like a cross between Killmonger and uh, T'Challa. Real life is a real life person. And uh, he fought against, um, you know, uh, colonialism and, uh, and using Capera, which was a, a Brazilian um, martial arts form that was created by uh, the African slaves in Brazil. And uh, on that note, I was just going <laughs> to add in another one uh, from last year. My favorite movie, uh, hands down, was uh, this very small Sundance release uh, called Loose by uh, Julius Ona it's, uh, with Kelvin Harrison Jr. and uh, Octavia Spencer, uh, Naomi Watts, Tim Roth. It's about uh, a uh, high school kid who um, adopted by a white family, uh, Tim Roth and Naomi Watts. And uh, his teacher, Octavia, Octavia Spencer, um, calls in the parents to, uh, to talk about, uh, she fears that uh, 
uh, Luce, uh, the, that's Kelvin Harrison Jr. Uh, character, that Luce is becoming a little bit too, you know, quote unquote, radicalized. And he's talking about, you know, uh, violent revolution and, and uh, specifically about a, a paper they turned in. And um, it's about, and really it's, uh, it's a suburban thriller, but uh, um, it's really about uh, tokenism, uh, representation, and, uh, you know, the expectations of uh, the expectations of uh, you, you know of being black in a uh, predominantly white uh, um, a white environment, white community, and everything. It, it is great. It was my favorite movie of last year. It definitely will it definitely will make you uh, make me think and uh, continually like push you uh, like in terms of where your allegiances lie. You know, I think. Uh, I, I wish you got a little bit more, uh, a little bit more talk, but it's on Hulu right now. I'm sure it's on other streaming services for the definite loose by uh, Julia Zona. I, I saw it recently. Oh, really? I okay. Saw, I think I saw it this year, actually. Oh, okay. And I saw it on, um, Desi, I, I believe it was Hulu. I saw it. Yeah, it's, it's on, on Hulu. It's on, it's, on, it's on Hulu, right? On Hulu, right. Oh, okay. That's where I saw it. I saw it on Hulu. And uh, it was just a few months ago I saw it. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. I haven't seen it. I want to see oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, I just, check it out. There's so many platforms. I can't, I mean, I don't have Hulu. I mean, I've got Amazon Prime and Netflix and I've got Shutter. Um, you can rent but, it on Amazon Prime, I believe, but not oh, for free. Okay. I don't think it's for free, though, unfortunately, but. Okay. Yeah, because sometimes we could, whatever you, you get from Hulu, sometimes you can also it's also available on Amazon Prime. Okay. It's available well, wherever. I don't know if it's free though, like like Jeff said. But yeah, it's uh, four bucks. No, well, I've got to get up on all the. There's just too much. It's that, too many you know, platforms with Apple TV, and now there's. I mean, there's all kind of stuff. There's Peacock. There's all. I don't have everything. I can't. You know. There's so many. There's so many. Um, <laughs> you know, it's going to be. There's going to be a time when you know it's all going to be bundled together, like just like network uh, network stuff. Eventually, right. yeah, there's just too many things going on. Uh, there's too many services. But, uh, some of them. Are gonna win. Yeah, yeah. Some all these platforms. Somebody's going to win the war. Yeah. But there's two more. Uh, Malcolm X, Spike Lee's Malcolm X. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Before I forget, before I forget, Birth of a Nation. Ah, okay, okay. Not, not the, not the, not that one, the one, the more recent one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. So those, yeah, so those, that's it. That's all for my recommendations. Just my final thought is anybody who wants to write screenplays, um, I don't care what it is. Uh, in this case, it's a, um, a film is considered a comic book adaption. Uh, so no matter what you write, uh, you can tell a story and um, you can... It's like, don't kind of... Don't say, oh, okay, this is, this is a comic book movie. So don't let yourself off the hook and just Right, any like some something that that that, that doesn't have substance behind it. You get what I'm saying? Don't use it that excuse. 
because even horror films, like a lot of people, they don't take horror films seriously in terms of winning Oscars and being considered like uh, artful films. But you have movies like The Exorcist and you have movies like um, The Science of the Lens that actually have substance behind it. So um, even action films, no matter what the genre is, um, you know, just story is, you know, take your craft serious and, um, and, and, and story is kind of like the forefront of everything. So um, even, even no matter what the genre is, uh, comedy, whatever. So I guess that's my final thought on this. And I'll keep my final thought really brief. Um, you know, in 2018, when Black Panther came out, um, the answer to the question of whether or not there could be an audience for a movie like that was answered. And it was like a yes, a resounding yes. Um, we should have more movies that have Black protagonists in uh, roles that are traditionally um, white characters. Um, and not only is there an audience from the Black community, other groups of folk will see themselves also reflected in this being someone of color or somebody who um, has similar experiences or similar aspirations, right? So the same way that I saw myself um, looking up to the characters of like Batman and, and, and Superman when I was a kid, this is applicable to everybody. Hopefully there's more of this, not just with the, M the MCU, but in other areas too, not just, not just with superheroes either, but um, there's an audience out there for, for movies that have black protagonists. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when I first heard about this and, uh, you know, when it was coming up, uh, you know, there was a little bit of hesitation, like, okay, how are they going to go along with this? Uh, I know that Black Panther means to uh, the African-American community and everything. How are they going to do this? But then they got Frank Coogler and uh, Michael B. Jordan. And of course, Chadwick Boseman was already cast. And, um, and they they knocked it out of the park. Uh, you know, there's probably a lot of pressure on them at the time, and uh, they absolutely like they absolutely took it home. Um, so yeah, this is definitely one of the the best in the MCU. Um, I I think this will definitely be the one that people will keep talking about at the very least, even when you know uh, cinematic universes go the way of uh, you know boom or bust. Uh, this would be the one that stays with people. Uh, this, uh, yeah, this, this hopefully, uh, hopefully will change the, the cinematic landscape in terms of what movies are budgeted to, um, uh, to mainstream and what movies, how movies are cast. And uh, yeah, this is, hopefully is a watershed uh, moment in cinematic history. Thank you as always for giving us a listen. I would like to thank Mark and Kenyatta again for giving another great discussion on Black Panther and its themes, characters, and social commentary. Check back soon for more discussions like this soon. You can support this podcast and the Screenwriters Group with a monthly donation by clicking on the support button on anchor.com. You can find Kenyatta and myself hosting the Screenwriters Group on meetup.com. You can join us by RSVPing to a virtual script peer reviewing session using the link in the description. We wish you all the best in your writing and other of life's pursuits. Take care and stay strong.